It's just a joy to be with you guys uh, today. Um, please turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And today we'll go, be going through verses 16 through 21. This is a passage that has meant a lot to us personally and also to our local church. And um, it has a lot in it for each of us as followers of Jesus. So let me read from 2 Corinthians 6, uh, 5, verse 16 through 21. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet we know him this, in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new things have come. How Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray one more time. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that we can come before your word and we can have you speak to us and direct us. But Lord, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We've heard your word so much this morning. We want to be doers of your word. We want it to change us. We want to be people that walk in your ways according to the high calling that we've been called to in Christ. So we pray that you would do this in and through us, that it would impact every area of our lives for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So throughout this, uh, this book of 2 Corinthians, Paul is making an appeal to these brothers and sisters that he has worked with over and over and over. Uh, next to the church in Ephesus, this church he had invested the most in. And he had written them multiple, multiple letters. He had um, confronted sin in multiple aspects. He was now even vying for his apostleship. He was the, the one that God brought the gospel through to this church and to make this, to found this church in the beginning. Uh, he was their father, he says. And they are looking for other super apostles and others that are discounting what Paul's saying. So Paul is making this argument over and over that um, of his calling and his apostleship, but it's intertwined with the gospel. And we're going to see that here as well. And we're going to see that he is not only de you know, defending his ministry, but he is helping them to know and helping us to know who we are in Christ and what our calling is, but then also what are we to do. And he's going to focus on a couple of different aspects that are super important for us today. What we want to understand is how to live out our roles as ambassadors for Christ so that those in the world might be reconciled to God. 
that's our, that's our goal here this morning. The first part, right in verse 16, it says that, therefore, from now on. Now, Paul is not going to, he's going to say that you are not according to the flesh. And we don't think according to the flesh anymore. No one is considered according to the flesh. So from now on, this was the point to which Paul came to Christ. It's, it's the point that he's writing right now, but he's, he's also saying this, from this time that, that I came to Christ all the way to now, everything has changed. We don't talk to people according to the flesh. We don't think about them according to the flesh anymore. They, they, aren't, just, they aren't just fleshly people. Now we are changed. Now we, we're not, we don't consider ourselves um, as, as those that are not walking with Christ or not walking with Christ. So now when we look at people, we say, does this person know Jesus or do they not know Jesus? Do they have a relationship with him or not? That's what changes. And he says, he goes on and he says that we recognize no one according to the flesh. So no one is, um, is, he's not thinking about anyone without that aspect of Christ coming and changing the world and changing life. In Philippians 3.18, sorry, 3.3-8, it says, he's talking about the, the circumcision and what the true circumcision now of being in Christ. And this is what he says. He says, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Jesus Christ. And we put no confidence in the flesh. And then Paul goes on and he talks about why he should put confidence in the flesh. If you want to start comparing credentials, you want to start, start to compare um, degrees, Paul had it all. Paul was the Hebrew of Hebrew. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was, he was one that was a Pharisee according to the law. So he wasn't just a follower of the law. He was an extreme keeper of the law. He was a persecutor even of the church. And he was blameless. When you compare the law with his life, he says, I was blameless. But in verse 7 of Philippians 3, he says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as, as dung, so that I may gain Christ. So now, what, what Paul is saying in this passage in 1 Corinthians is, when we look at people, we're not considering them as even Jew or Gentile anymore. It's, it doesn't matter if they were children of Abraham. It, it doesn't matter because now they must have Christ. It doesn't matter if they were without Christ and didn't have hope because they weren't part of the children of Israel as Gentiles. They must have Christ now. So now everything is not according to the flesh. It's, it's according to Christ. And he goes on and he says, he kind of he takes us a step further and he says, we have, 
known Christ, we, we've known Christ according to the flesh, but now, even Christ, we don't know him that way any longer. So this is kind of, this can be a little confusing. Like, what does that mean? What he's talking about is, if, if you remember back in Acts, Paul, in Acts 7, we, we finally first meet Paul. And he's a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He's an evil man. But he thinks that he's following God. He thinks that he, he knows who Jesus is. And he thinks Jesus is an imposter. He thinks he's a, um, a fake. He thinks that he's one that came and deceived people. And it, it even goes on to say that as they were stoning the first, the first martyr in the church, Stephen, they came and they were... They, they didn't know where to hang their, their cloaks, you know. They, they, they wanted to really be able to throw the stone well. So they're like, where do I put my, my cloak? Where do I put my, my coat? So we, we don't have a hanging rack here, and I need to stone this guy. So they, they put it with Paul. So, so Paul, Saul at that time, was the one that, that was caring for their clothing of those that were physically stoning Stephen, the first martyr in the church. And it says that Paul, he gave hearty, hearty approval of what they were doing. He was totally, totally in favor. If, if he could have thrown the stone, he would have, but he was watching the clothes. He was a younger man, and he was letting the older ones do the, the dirty work. After they buried Stephen, it says in, in um, chapter 7 of Acts, uh, chapter 8 of Acts, verse 3, it says that, Paul, Saul, he began ravaging the church. He began living out everything that he believed because he was against Jesus. He saw that Jesus was a fake. And he even went house to house seeking Christians out, dragging them into prison, even dragging them off to their deaths. And he was breathing threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord. So what he did then is he went to the high priest and he got letters. He got credentials saying, hey, can I go to the church in Damascus? Because I heard there are believers there. And I'll help arrest them and get them um, all, you know, connected up. And I'll bring them back bound to Jerusalem so that they can be judged. So he was on his way. He was on his way to kill Christians, to to um, live out what he believed about Jesus. And God changed everything. Remember on the road, the light shone. He heard the voice of Jesus. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And he, he didn't understand why. What do you mean? I'm not, how am I persecuting you? You're persecuting my people. You're persecuting those who are, are now my, my body, the body of Christ, other brothers and sisters in Christ. And it was at that moment, everything in Paul changed. And now he no longer regarded people in the flesh any longer. Now, when he looked at a person, he looked at them. Do they have a relationship with Jesus? Are they born again or are they not? And this is the same way that we must look at everyone. What is their relationship with Jesus? First, what is our relationship? You know, we look in the mirror first. My mom always said, when you point your finger, you always... You have these fingers pointing back at you, right? So you always look and you say, okay, for me first, uh, am I a follower of Jesus? Have I been born again? 
And then as I'm looking out, if I have been born again, what is the status of all of those around me? Do they know Christ or do they not know Christ? He goes on in verse 17 of chapter 5 um, in 1 Corinthians, sorry, back in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so this, this idea of being in Christ is amazing. Once you are born again, you are in Christ. And you have all the blessings of the riches in the heavenly places in Christ. And not only now, but for eternity. And some of these riches and, and some of your inheritance and even your salvation isn't fully complete yet. I know that's, that's a little hard to think about. But once we are in heaven with Christ, once, once we are in the new heavens and new earth, we will fully have every promise um, fulfilled. And we're, we're now in a place where we are seeing the promises fulfilled, uh, but they will be fulfilled. And this is all because we are in Christ. Once you're born again, you're in Christ. And this is an amazing, uh, this is just amazing because it's a radical change that happens inside and out. This is where you go from being dead and coming alive. This, you're no longer a person that is a fleshly person, no longer a person under the wrath of God in judgment. Now you belong to Christ. And it makes me think also in Romans 1.8 where it talks about that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have no condemnation if you are a follower of Jesus now. There is nothing that can be brought against you because it's paid for in Christ. When God looks at you, he sees his son, Jesus. And this is an amazing statement. So, but he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Uh, literally, it says, in Christ equals a new creation. Everything's changed in, in you now. It's even looking towards the future when there will be the new heavens and the new earth. When, when uh, you are in Christ, Everything is new. You are not who you were before. You have been bought with a price. You belong to him now. And it says even that the old things have passed away. You are not who you were. You might think that you have some of the old desires and some of these old things are creeping back. But that is not who you are because they have all been crucified with Christ. They've been put away. They have passed away. Just like the new heavens are going to come and the old heavens and new earth uh, old earth are going to pass away. That's what's happened in your life. That has happened. You belong to Christ now. All of that old order of things has passed off the stage. And the, a lot of this now is how we live. We are to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. We now, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Now we are alive to Christ. We've been raised up in Christ. And we are actually, it says in Colossians 3, it says that if you've been raised up in Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That is who we are now. And we're to set our minds on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. So all of Paul's ideas and hopes and ambitions and dreams and all of ours, those have all passed away because we have submitted them to Christ. And now Christ has given us new desires and new hopes and new dreams as we are now walking in his ways according to his spirit um, and according to his strength for his glory. So we never take pride in what we do because 
God is doing that through Christ in us. Paul then goes to verse 18, and he says, uh, now all of these things are from God. And this is bringing in another concept that now we are reconciled to God. We are no longer enemies of God. We are no longer according to the flesh. We are now reconciled to God. And since we're reconciled to God, we are now called to be reconciled, reconcilers of others to God. He says, all these things are from God. So this, all of this that has happened is from God. And God is the one that has reconciled us to himself. And this is through Christ. So when you think of your reconciliation, when you think that you now have a relationship with God, you can't think of that apart from Jesus. You can't. It's only through Christ that this has happened. And it's an amazing uh, joy, an amazing um, privilege that we have, and, and something that we need to be praising God for every second, right? Because we are now in Christ, and we have a relationship with God, and he has reconciled. Now, this idea of reconciliation, you might say, like, why did we have to be reconciled? Um, why did that happen? Well, we were his enemies. We were, we were broken. We had such a broken relationship with God that there was nothing that we could do to reconcile, to make that relationship right. The bridge was completely broken. It was completely uh, devastated. We had no opportunity. We were without hope. And we were without God. We had no opportunity. But then God was the one who reconciled us. He did that through Christ. And Paul's very quick to say, now he has given us a ministry of reconciliation. So the fact that you're reconciled means that now, if you've been reconciled to Christ, you have a ministry. And it's a work that you have. But he says it's a ministry. It's a ministry of reconciliation with, with those that don't know Christ. And he explains this further in verse 19. He says in verse 19, namely, that God in Christ was, is reconciling the world to himself. So this is the, when we're talking about the world, this is the idea of all of those who we were once a part of, who have come against God, who were, are dead in their sins and trespasses, that, that um, don't have hope, that are, have the wrath of God on them, that are headed to hell. And that's who we once were as well. And it says that, that God in Christ, he's reconciling the world to himself. He's doing that. He's actively doing that. God is not a passive God. God is a reconciling God. God is a God of action. God is a God that loved the world so much that he sent his son into a world that hated him. When, when we are talking to people about Christ, I don't know if you thought about this, but I mean, even for us, before Christ, we were cursing him, right? We would use, we would use everything that we had that, that um, God has given us and entrusted to us. We would use it for our own purposes. We would use it to even sin against God. We would use the breath and the life that God gave us to sin against him. That's, that's what it means to be in the world. And this is, this is who our God is. He sent his son to reconcile us to himself so that we would not be trapped in this situation forever. And it says, not counting their trespasses against them. Uh, trespasses are 
are acts of sin that you do purposely. It's not an accident. These are, tra- these are sin that this is, we are sinful. We were born into sin and we choose to sin. That's, that's who we are as, um, as human beings. And it says that, that he is not counting their trespasses against them. Trespasses automatically are counted against you. And all it takes is one trespass for you to be judged for eternity in hell. Because that trespass, that sin is against a holy God. And just one sin is all that it takes. But, I mean, most of us, most of us, uh, you know, don't sin just one time a day, if you think about it. You know what I mean? Maybe you do. Uh, Maybe you don't sin once a day. Maybe you sin zero times a day. But if you think about it, can you imagine if each of your sins was counted against you? That's how it was before Christ. It's like a ticker. Have you ever seen those tickers of, of like how much uh, trillion dollars the U.S. is in debt? Have you seen that? It's just like, it's just running, just running. And then you look at it again, it's like, whoa, like what happened? It's just, it's just flying, it's just going. That's how our sin was against God. Constantly just racking up wrath against us. All of that has been put away. All of that has not been counted by God against us now in Christ. All of that has been washed in his blood. That is something that is an amazing truth that we should never get over. Now he has committed us who have had all of our trespasses forgiven, all of them taken away, us who have been reconciled to God through Christ. We now have a ministry, and it's the the word of reconciliation. If you think about that, it's the word logos. It's uh, It's really we have Christ. We really have the gospel. That's what we have now. That is what will reconcile people to God. That's what we have. And Paul goes on in the next section, and he's going to talk about how that's done. But if you, I, I just want us to think a little bit more about what, what Jesus did when he came and he took on our sins on himself. Um, in Isaiah 53, it says, it says this. It says that, Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was, he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. So we deserved all of that judgment. But all that judgment went upon Christ. He took it upon himself. When he was pierced, it was because of my sin and your sin. So when we think of the soldier piercing him in the side, that was for our transgressions. That's what it was for. It was so that they would not be counted against us anymore. It would, they would be done away. And he was crushed for our iniquities so that we would not be crushed. And when he was crushed in, uh, for our iniquities, he actually crushed our iniquities. He judged our iniquities in himself and they were totally paid for on the cross. 
Paul is making a distinction here because he has been talking to the Corinthians. And the Corinthians were uh, very much about appearances and very much about those that were uh, kind of the, 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 the super the super duper apostles. And these guys are coming um, with, with arrogance and with, uh, with great pride. And what Paul is saying is, in Christ, this is not who we are. We, we, we have been, uh, we were sinners. We were arrogant. We were those that had an affront against God because of our sin. But all of that has been done away for in Christ. We now are uh, those that have been forgiven. We have been reconciled to God. We are now united to God. Paul then, in the next section, he says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. And he says that uh, it's as though that God is making an appeal through us. So when you are sharing the gospel with your, your neighbor, with your coworker, when you're seeking to make disciples, um, I, I really think of it as like pre-discipleship. You're, you're going to those who are not yet saved, right? You're, you're, you're coming to them. It's, it's not you that is making that appeal. It feels like it. It feels like you're the one that is talking to them about Jesus. It's not. It's God making an appeal through you. It's, it's God is the one. He's the one that is working in their lives and their hearts. He's the one that's drawing them. He's the one that is using you as you're walking according to your calling. He's the one that's using you as you're proclaiming the gospel as you're living out the gospel in your life. So he's the one working through you. It's God that's making that appeal. We think we are the one making the appeal. It's not. We are presenting the gospel, but God is the one appealing to them and drawing others um, that don't know Christ to himself. Um, Have any of you ever met an ambassador before? Have you met one? I've met a lot of ambassadors now, um, and I... What, something that has struck me about an ambassador is that ambassadors, ambassadors do not acclimate to the culture that they're in. They don't. They come in and they look very different than that culture that they're in. They, they have no, um, no desire to become like that culture that they're in. So they, when we're in Albania, they do not look Albanian. They don't have any... any um, inclination to try to fit into the culture. They are representing another culture. They're representing another state. They're representing another country. And they, they have all of the rights and all of the privileges of that nation. And they're coming and they're, they're bringing that into the country that they're, they're coming to. they also can't just do what they want to do. They can't just say what they want to say. They can't act how they want to act because they're, they are a, represent, a representative of someone else, of, of something else. So when I've met ambassadors, like I, I met the American ambassador in December, she is, you meet her, she is, uh, I, I feel like she's just, they're just waving a flag. You know, that's what she's doing, just handing out flags, you know, 
she is uh, an embodiment of the U United States. And she, she uh, appreciates Albania, but she is not Albanian. She might learn a couple of words of Albanian, but you need to learn English because she is an ambassador for America and she wants you to know about America. She'll learn about Albania. She'll try to, try to study it. She'll learn about it. But why will she learn about it? Because she has American interests in mind. That's the reason. That's the only reason she's learning about Albania. Why is she there? She's there because she's a representative of another country, of another state. It says that we are ambassadors for Christ. That is what you and I are now. So you and I are not to acclimate to this culture, to whatever culture we're in. We're not called to look and talk and walk just like everyone else. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to be, we are ambassadors. It says you are ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. So what are we supposed to look like? Who are we supposed to represent? Christ. That's what you look like to the world. So when people ask you, like, well, what are you doing? What's, what's your work? What, what's, what, what are you doing in your life? Who are you? Who you are in Christ should come out pretty fast because that's who you are. You can't explain your work and your job without Christ. You can't explain your family without Christ. You can't explain what you're doing today without Christ. You can't explain your week without Christ. You can't because that's who you are. You're a representative of him. That's who you are. And they might say, well, what are you representing? You're representing Christ. Well, what do you mean? Why, why are you uh, representing Christ? And so, well, God is the one that is appealing to you through, through me. So it's actually God that wants you to be reconciled to him. So there's a chance every single person that you talk to, they have an opportunity to be at peace with God. They have a chance to have, be reconciled and be forgiven of all of their sins and trespasses. And you have the joy to tell them that. And that's only in Christ. It's only in Christ that that can happen. You can tell them that without Christ. And so that impacts everything that you are and everything that you do. When you're talking to somebody, when you're, when you're on the road driving, you're an ambassador of Christ. I mean, some people want to take the little fish off of their, right? You want to take it off of the car? Because like, well, I'm not going to drive like an ambassador of Christ today. So I think I want to just take that thing off, right? Is it magnetic? I can just pop it off. Uh, no, you are, it's not just the fish. You are an ambassador of Christ. You can't rip that off of you. That's who you are now in Christ. So you are an ambassador of Christ. This is your joy that you have. And everyone you meet is the one that you're called to go to. Have you thought about that? Like God, God is uh, calling you as an ambassador to talk to your neighbors, talk to everyone in your life because you are helping them understand who God is and that they need to be reconciled to God. And it's actually, again, God is working in you to do that. He's making that appeal. Paul then goes on and he says, we beg you on behalf of Christ, 
be reconciled to God. Now, uh, there's, there's different interpretation of why he said this to the Corinthians. But he has um, struggled with this church a lot. And he's trying to help them understand that, that who he is in Christ is connected to his ministry as well. And it's the same for us. Who you are in Christ is connected to your ministry. And everyone needs this message. And they need us to be begging them on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And that, that's something that even today, I, I don't know where you are and where you stand with the Lord. Um, you're in a solid church. You're in a church that, um, that loves Christ, that loves the scriptures, that has leadership, that loves the Lord, loves you, and brothers and sisters that love one another. But I don't know if you have all been reconciled to Christ. I don't know that. Uh, I have no idea. Um, so I, I would just say this to you, that I'm begging you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God, because you need to come to Christ. You need to make sure that you have come to Christ. Otherwise, you are not an ambassador yet for Christ. And this is something that, um, that you need to really have the, the Holy Spirit search your heart and your life. Have you turned from your sin? Have you repented of your sin? And have you then uh, made Jesus the Lord of your life? Are you walking according to the calling you've been called because you have been saved, because you have been born again? Not anything of your own actions, because it's the gift of God, right? It's completely the gift. It's the free gift of his grace. And he has, what he then will not give his wrath to you. He will give his mercy to you. He will withhold his wrath from you. And he will give you what you don't deserve, which is his grace in Christ. At the end here, he says in verse 21, he says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. So Jesus, if you think about it, Jesus Never, ever sinned, right? He was not born in sin, and he never chose to sin. He always chose to obey God the Father and could do what was completely right in the sight of God. Every single decision in his entire life. So it says here that he was the one who knew no sin. He knew no sin. You and I, we knew sin. As soon as we come in, we know sin. And then we choose to sin. And then we choose to sin. We're very well acquainted to sin. We know sin. Jesus never knew sin. He never knew sin. Now, he was in the world, but he was never of the world. Never, ever of the world. He was with those who were sinners. And he was even condemned by those who were religious that he was with the sinners too much. But even with the sinners... He knew no sin. He didn't know sin. He never had experienced sin in his entire life. But God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be sin on our behalf. That's just an amazing passage because this is, um, I mean, 
it's, it's, it's like an impo- one of these impossible passages. How can the one who knew no sin, how can he then, then be sin on our behalf? How does that work? I mean, that, that, is, that is something that, um, that only God can truly explain. Because that is what had to happen in order for us to be reconciled to God. His son Jesus had to take on our sin to the point that it says that he, he um, was sin on our behalf. So he took it on to that point that he completely bore our sins and our trespasses. Every little sin, every big sin, every sin and transgression against God, Jesus put on himself. And he completely paid for every single one of them. He had to completely have it clothed on himself so that he could completely pay for it completely. Uh, and he was still without sin. Isn't that amazing? He's still without sin, even though he bore our sins and paid for our sins. He's the only one that can do that. And he's the only one that we uh, must have do that. On our behalf. He's the only one. And it says that why did he do that? Well, he did that so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we who were dead in our sins and trespasses, we who were enemies of God, we who were children of wrath, we who were separated from God without hope, we who hated God, we who loved ourselves and loved all the things that are opposed to God, we are now the ones that he says, we are now the righteousness of God. We are. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but that's a, that's a complete reversal of who we once were. When you look at yourself in the mirror, that is not who you are now. You are now looking at one that it doesn't say, say, has, um, has been clothed in the righteousness of God. It says, you are now the righteousness of God. That is who you are. You have become the righteousness of God in him. So when God looks at you now, he sees the, his, his righteousness, that righteousness, that perfect um, rightness, that everything that, that Christ has done he did everything right. He did everything um, in a way that glorified God. And, and everything that, uh, that brought, him, uh, brought him honor and nothing that shamed him. That is not something that we, we would naturally do. But now we are the righteousness of God in him. That is who we are now. So when you look in the mirror, that's who you are now. That's who God has made you to be. And it's not in your own strength. It's not in my strength. It's only because of what Christ has done. You've been reconciled to God through Christ. And now everything's changed in your life. Now you are righteous before him. Now you do not need to to sin anymore. You have been freed from sin. You have been transformed because you are now God's child. You have now been born again. 
we know that Jesus um, is a high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses. It says that in Hebrews 4.15. It says that he was tempted in every way that we were, but without sin. Absolutely without sin. So he was the one that was the, the sinless one. But he was the one that then gave himself for us and took all of our sin on himself to pay for it completely. It says in Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And how did he redeem us from the curse of the law? Because the law, if you think of the Ten Commandments, they only condemn us. They condemn us. Over and over and over they condemn us. But what Christ did, it says that he redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do that? Well, he did it by becoming a curse himself on the tree. That's how he did it. He did that so that we would be free from the curses of the law, of breaking the law, of breaking um, what God has commanded us to do. So now we are ambassadors of Christ because we've been reconciled to him. So when you think about this, and we'll kind of wrap up here, but when you think about this, your life has been completely changed now. Uh, and you have... You have um, a huge role and responsibility. If we just, you have many in Christ, but one of them is that you're an ambassador of Christ. One of them is that you now can go to anyone and everyone, and you are an ambassador on behalf of God. And you have something to say. We talked about this, I think, a couple years ago when we were here, um, but you have something to say to everyone. Because you're an ambassador of God. And they aren't your words. You have God's words to give to people. So that's what an ambassador does. Normally they're they're given something to say. They can't just, you know, say what they want to say. They have to say what the one who sent them told them to say. Uh, Or they'll have really bad consequences. For us, it's our joy. We don't need to be afraid of this. We, it's our joy to be able to take what God has given us and be able to take this into a desperate, dying world. A world that has no hope. A world that is still trapped in the sin that we once were. And now we have the chance to bring that gospel to them. And it's the power of God for salvation. And this is the only way they can be saved, right? It says in John 14, 6, that there is no other way to salvation, right? There's no other way because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's the only way. And so as you talk to anyone, this is the opportunity that they have to be reconciled to God. So let me close in prayer. And, uh, and I just, I just want to encourage you. Um, God has called you here to reason. He's called you to this valley. He's called you to where you live for a purpose, just like he's called us. So you be faithful to live that out as he works in you, because really he is the one that is appealing to people through you. Remember that. That's who he is, and he's placed you. He doesn't make accidents. He has placed you here for his purposes. So be faithful to live out who you are in Christ. You're his ambassadors. And it's my privilege to be an ambassador with you uh, of Christ. And I can't wait someday. We, we haven't gotten to visit our home city, right? We, we haven't gotten to go to our nation yet where we belong. We will someday. Someday we will all be together. And we will all be 
together in the new heavens and the new earth. And I can't wait for that day. But until that day comes, we're to be ambassadors for Christ every day until that day. So uh, let me pray for us. And, um, and we'd love to get to meet you more and talk to you more after service too. Uh, but this, this pray. Dear Lord, we just ask that you would help us to um, walk in as faithful ambassadors to you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to know your word, to live your word. Lord, help us to proclaim your word to those around us. Help us to not have our message not match our lives. We pray that we would be pure and holy ambassadors for you and that you would use us mightily to reconcile so many, Lord. We, we just long for all of those. We just think of those in our minds, of all of those people that we see every day that have not been reconciled to you yet, that are under your wrath and under judgment and are on their way to eternal hell to pay for their own sins, which can never be done. So we pray, Lord, that you would use us to reconcile these, these future brothers and sisters to yourselves, to yourself. And we pray that we would be uh, faithful ambassadors. And we would pray that you would find us good and faithful servants on that last day, that great day that we look forward to. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.